0: A couple of other short announcements that I do want to make. To uh, Be praying for Dorothy. Uh, her sister is on her last days of life. And uh, she lives in Minnesota, and so that's where Dorothy is today. And uh, so just be praying for her. Um, well, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Though the word parable is not used in this passage of Scripture that we are going to consider. It does fit the description. Uh, In fact, many writers uh, refer to this passage as a parable. Most of you have probably heard of the Leaning Tower of Pisa in Italy, right? But have you heard of the Leaning Tower of San Francisco? (laughs) It's the Millennium Tower. It's a 50-story skyscraper that was built in 2008 and stands slightly crooked in the downtown area. As one writer reported, the problem? Its engineers didn't dig a deep enough foundation. So now they're forced to retrofit the foundation with repairs That may cost more than the entire tower did when it was originally built. A fix that some believe is necessary to keep it from collapsing during an earthquake. You bet. And so, the obvious lesson is what? Foundations matter. (laughs) They matter. And that is what is captured in the parable shared by Jesus... In verses 24 to 27, I want you to follow as I read. And actually, I'm going to read to the end of the chapter, verse 29. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house He was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. And may God add His blessing to the reading of His Word. These are the last words recorded from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It's also mentioned in Luke 6, 46-49. What our Lord was doing in that message was calling people from a false religion to the true kingdom. Away from deceptive self-righteousness and mere professions to true faith and possessors of real righteousness. And all of this is represented in the near context by two gates. If you go back to verses 13 and 14, this is what Jesus was talking about. Two gates. You have a narrow gate which leads to life. And then you have the broad gate that leads to destruction. But then you come to two trees in the following verses, verses 15 to 20. You have the good tree, which brings forth good fruit. And then you have the bad tree that brings forth bad fruit. And then you have these words that follow there in verses 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Wow. Very pointed words. And so, therefore, as verse 24 begins, Jesus comes to his benediction and speaks of two builders. Essentially, his audience. That would be his builders. Those who are wise and those who are foolish. Those who build the houses of their lives on a rock foundation... And those who build the houses of their lives on a sand foundation. And you know, interestingly, all of them had heard the words of Jesus. That's what he says there in verse 24 and in verse 26. All of them did. Which had described for them the kind of people who would be a part of his kingdom. But they were also hearing the words of false prophets. False teachers. And so to whom would they respond? Because only one house would stand, just as Jesus said. And you know, the same is true today. There are only two types of people building the houses of their lives. But which one are you? That is a good question to ask yourself this morning. Examine yourself. And to help you with that, I want you to notice with me three characteristics. Three characteristics of a house built upon Christ, captured right here in this parable. And I trust that God has or will help you to be that wise master builder. That's my desire for you this morning. Just as it was the desire of Jesus for his audience on that day. And the first characteristic is observed there in verses 24 and in verse 26. Look with me at it again. Jesus said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Verse 26. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Beloved, this here is the main point of the parable. It is the theme of this parable. And what is it? The house built upon Christ submits to the Word of God. That's it. The house built upon Christ submits to the Word of God. The Word's... Of Jesus here are the word of God, which represent the rock foundation. The sand foundation is anything but the word of God. Philosophy, tradition, religion, you just name it. It's anything but the word of God. Now the audience here were Jewish people who, by the way, knew the Old Testament scriptures. And though they were hearing from their religious leaders a righteousness that was based upon following the law, they were now hearing Jesus preach a righteousness that was only possible by believing in and following Him. That is, hear His words and act upon them. Just as He said. You see, the law was only given to the nation of Israel to show them that they couldn't keep it and must depend upon God revealed in Jesus. Isn't that what the Apostle Paul said later in Galatians 3 and verse 24? Yeah. The law was given to reveal that we couldn't keep it, that we were going to fall short and we must trust in God revealed in Jesus Christ. What did the psalmist and Isaiah the prophet declare? Matt read from this passage earlier today. Psalm 118 verse 22 The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. How about Isaiah 28 in verse 16? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation, firmly placed. He who believes in it will not be disturbed. These were words from the prophets in the Old Testament. And so his listeners who were very familiar with the Old Testament should know these things. In fact, turn with me, if you would, to 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter 2. I'm going to begin reading with verse 5. Okay? 1 Peter 2 beginning with verse 5. You also as living stones are being built upon a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. He's quoting here from Isaiah 28, verse 16. And then he goes on to say in verse 7, This precious value then is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to his doom they were also appointed. He's quoting there from Psalm 118, verse 22. And so then, upon embracing Jesus this Jewish audience could follow Him as described in the previous chapters, what He preached on the Sermon on the Mount. In chapters 5 and verse 7, a genuine righteousness from knowing God, not the self-righteousness that was being promoted by the Pharisees. And by the way, this was also the teaching of the New Covenant, was it not? From the Old Testament, Jeremiah... Thirty-one, Ezekiel thirty-six. You bet, absolutely. And you know this is all wonderfully captured in some wonderful and glorious hymns. <laughs> this morning we were singing the church is one foundation, right? Yeah. In fact, yesterday I was just talking with Matt, and uh, I had seen that this was going to be one of the songs, and I said, "Wow, this is great." And he says, you know, Kirk, he said, we planned this song probably two or three weeks ago, not knowing you were going to be preaching on this passage of Scripture. Isn't that something? How about that song, that hymn, The Solid Rock? Listen to it, just a couple of stanzas. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. His oath, His covenant, His blood, support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, He then is all my hope and stay. How about how firm a foundation, huh? How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in His excellent Word. What more can He say than to you He has said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled? Fear not, I am with thee, O be not dismayed, for I am thy God and will not still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand, upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. One glorious hymn after another that supports everything that I'm saying right here from this passage. In fact, these hymns were based upon these very words. And so, beloved, have you submitted to the word of God, the words of Jesus, the gospel, and are living by it. Listen to these words of Jesus later in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. He said, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in My Word, then you are truly disciples of Mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now look with me at James chapter 1. This was a part of our Scripture reading this morning. James chapter 1. Verses 21 to 25. James 1, 21-25 Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Amen. And so I pray this morning that you are a wise builder whose foundation is the rock of the gospel and not the sand of this world. It's religion. Because it will collapse. Just as Jesus said to his audience on that day. And it's just as good for us today. Well, that brings us to the next characteristic which by the way is only possible because of the first characteristic. And we see that in verses 25 and in verse 27 of Matthew 7. Jesus went on to say, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. Verse 27. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. That is the house whose foundation was sand. And it fell. And great was its fall. And so what do you notice here? The house that's built upon Christ is steady through the storms of life. The house that's built upon Christ is steady through the storms of life. Again, you have two houses that have been built here. One whose foundation is rock, while the other whose foundation is sand. Now let me just say this. Likely, both of them look very, very good. They do. If you were to look at them from the outside, boy, you just marvel at these houses that have been built. But the real measure of their worth will be the storms they encounter. And as you can clearly see in this passage, only one of them remained upright after that torrential rain shower that brought winds and floods. Which one? The one whose foundation was the rock, right? Yeah. Well, Jesus wanted this Jewish audience to know and understand that if the houses of their lives were built on the foundation of his words, true faith, by the way, they would be steady through the storms of life, through their testings and trials, one of which would be persecution. Isn't that what Jesus said earlier in the Sermon on the Mount? In Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 to 12, yes. If you're a true follower of me, there will be persecution, but you will stand in the midst of that. You see, that's what manifests a genuine life in Christ. It does. We're going to look at a number of passages that support this this morning. So I want you to be patient and follow with me here. Turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Holding your space there in Matthew 7, of course. But Hebrews chapter 10. I just love this portion of Scripture that talks about true faith. True saving faith. And it really all begins in Hebrews chapter 10. Where it says these words, beginning in verse 32. But remember the former days, when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings. Partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations. And partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while he was coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. Did you capture all of that? True faith endures. It's preserved. You see, that's real saving faith. Which... The writer goes on to talk about in Hebrews chapter 11 with all those Old Testament Bible characters. Yes, did they falter at various places? Sure. But the whole of their life was one of faith. They endured. They persevered. And then when you come to Hebrews chapter 12, what does it say? The first three verses there. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, he's referring to those saints that have gone before us who persevered, who endured... Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Amen and amen. Wow. That's true faith. And if you're truly saved this morning, you have true faith. It endures. Through the testings and trials, through persecution. Amen. It's because it's a work of God. But let's not stop there. Go with me over to James again. James. Very next book, epistle. James chapter one. Verses 2 to 5. James chapter 1, 2 to 5. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Wow. Hmm. Joy? Why? The following verses tell us why we can consider it all joy. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? What? endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach and it will be given him. Yeah. So we can pray for God's wisdom to help us to walk faithfully before him, to endure. He will give it to us. And then also, turn with me, if you would, over to 1 Peter, the very next epistle. And there are many passages that we could consider here in 1 Peter. But I'm only going to look at the very end. 1 Peter 5, beginning with verse 6. 1 Peter 5, beginning with verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But listen to what it says in verse 9. Oh boy. But resist Him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To Him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. You know, some time back, I shared this little anecdote by Wilbur Nelson, entitled, Stress Loads. He says, when I see the magnificent Golden Gate Bridge, I remember that an engineer must take into account three loads or stresses while designing bridges. These are the dead load, the live load, and the wind load. The dead load is the weight of the bridge itself. The live load is the weight of the daily traffic that the bridge must carry. The wind load is the pressure of the storms that beat on the bridge. The designer plans for bracings that will enable the bridge to bear all these loads. Then he goes on to make this application. In our lives, too, we need bracings which make it possible to carry the dead load of self the live load of daily living, and the wind load of emergencies. When we place our trust in Christ, He gives us the strength we need to withstand these various stresses. He thus gives our lives usefulness, stability, and durability. Amen. You know, beloved, in the church, there are those who are professors of faith, And there are those who are possessors of true faith. And both of them look good in the body. But only one is the real deal. Every church has them, okay? When I look across this congregation this morning, you all look good. Yeah, you do. And I've heard your professions of faith and I'm encouraged by it. But do you have the real deal? You see, it's going to be the ones who are consistently steady in the storms of life. The trials, the persecutions. Oh, no doubt, there's going to be some faltering along the way. You might need a few repairs to your life. But when you look at your Christian life as a whole, from the time you profess Christ to where you are today, what does it look like? Does it look like those great heroes of the faith huh? who endured standing upon the word of God, the words of Jesus, living by it, no matter what you're facing? See, that's the real test of your faith. And so examine the whole of your life since professing to be a follower of Jesus Are you living by His words? Are you remaining true to Him? Or are you drawn back? Falling by the wayside? It's a good question to ask yourself. So I pray this morning that you would be a hearer, a believer, and a doer (laughs) of God's Word. The house built upon Christ submits to the Word of God. And is steady through the storms of life. And now to one other characteristic. There in the last part of verse 25 and verse 27. Speaking about the wise man whose house is upon the rock. It says there, it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. Verse 27, speaking of the foolish man who built his house on the sand, it says there, speaking of the storm, and slammed against that house, and it fell. And great, and great was its fall. What is captured here? The house built upon Christ will stand in the time of judgment. The house built upon Christ will stand in the time of judgment. And ultimately, this is where Jesus was going with this storm that he is mentioning here. Judgment. That's right. The emphasis here in those verses I just read is the house or the life that's not built upon Christ's words, as it says here, and great was its fall. It will not stand in judgment. It's going to perish. This is very sobering. And it was mentioned last by Jesus to leave an impact upon the hearts of His audience. Again, look back with me to the near context, beginning back in verse 21, leading into this passage. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my father who is in heaven will enter. And he repeats that again in verse 24. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Oh my. Oh my. This reminds me of the psalmist's words. In the very introduction to the Psalter. Holding your space here, go with me to Psalm 1. It's one of my, one, or I should say, it is my favorite psalm. Psalm 1. Probably for some of you here this morning. Psalm 1. It's a great introduction to the Psalter. And the writer here is presenting two types of people. The godly... And the ungodly, the wise and the foolish. The wise man's life is built upon what? The first three verses tell us the word of God. And it says there in verse three, and he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and in whatever he does he prospers. Huh, just love the vision there, the picture. But that's not the case for the foolish man, the wicked man. Notice what he goes on to say. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff which the wind drives away. And for those of you who don't know what chaff are, in Old Testament times they would bring the wheat crop to the threshing floor. They'd take the pruning hook and throw this up into the air and all that heavy grain would fall to the floor. And then the rest of it would what? <laughs> Just blow away. That's the chaff. He's saying here, the wicked are like the chaff which the wind blows away. Therefore, verse 5, the wicked will not, what? Stand in the judgment. Nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. He does. We're secure in Him. But the way of the wicked will perish How about the apostle John what he wrote at the end of the bible go with me to revelation 20 revelation 20 revelation 20 we could read verses 11 to 15 but i'm just going to read verses 12 and 15 which speaks about the great white throne judgment Okay, which is for believers only. This is not for believers. This is for unbelievers. Revelations 20, just 12 and 15. And I saw the dead, the great and small, standing before the throne. And books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. Verse 15. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, He was thrown into the lake of fire. This is no joke. I know today, when you're out there in the world, hell is almost a joke or a curse word. I've been around people who said, it's hotter than hell out here. Then I ask them, really? Do you know what hell's like? Then it gives me an open door to share the gospel with them. This is no joke. Today we live in a world which has no regard for what the Bible says. The Word of God. It believes what it wants. It behaves like it wants. And then it expects that everything is going to be okay in the end. That's not so. Proverbs 14.12 records these words. There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And if that wasn't enough, Solomon repeated those same words two chapters later in Proverbs 16 and verse 25. The very same thing. The only security one has in this life and for the life to come is what Jesus said in our present text. And what is that? Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man. That's the emphasis of this passage. It's the foundation. And so, beloved, make sure that you will be standing in the time of judgment. Seriously. Just as Peter himself exhorted his... Listeners, just before he died. These were important words that came from him in 2 Peter 1 and verse 10. He writes, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Yeah. And so in closing this morning, if you would, turn with me to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Again, these are words with which you are familiar. They come back to the very text that we are looking at this morning, this parable in Matthew 7. Matthew 16. Beginning in verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, He was asking his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others, Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you. Simon Bar-Jonah, or son of John, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Amen. Remember in John chapter 6, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him who cometh me I will in no wise cast out. And then Jesus goes on to say to Peter, I also say to you that you are Peter, Petros, a stone. And then he says, upon this rock, Petra, it's a different word, very similar. He's referring to a boulder. Upon this rock, I will build my house and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. What rock was that? It was the profession of faith by Peter in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's to what Jesus was referring. That's upon which the church is built. The gospel. And so the same is true for each of you this morning if you have genuinely heard the words of Jesus and acted upon them. This is the driving point of this parable. It's not complicated. Yeah, Jesus never intended it to be complicated. The earthly story here makes the heavenly teaching very, very clear. We can all identify with it, right? Foundations matter. <laughs> they do. What's your foundation? Is it Christ in His words? And so I pray this morning that the house, life of each one of you is built upon Christ. If so, you have and do submit to the Word of God. You are steady in the storms of life and you will stand in the time of judgment. I trust this is where you want to be, right? Yeah. So may God help you in that way. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. This parable, an earthly story with a heavenly teaching. Very clear. It's not complicated. You never made it to be that way. Even a child can understand this. No matter who is here this morning, I pray that they will understand that their only security is the foundation of Jesus Christ. Hearing, knowing, believing in His words and acting upon them. And so I pray that you will work in the hearts of each one according to your will this morning for your glory.